Flying Bull Productions presents Laugh, Literature, and Film. It's the good stuff. Yeah. The Laugh Podcast. I'm, a, I'm one of three co-hosts today. The L Train. Over there is my... Regular co-host, Mr. Two Frames. How are you today, sir? Pleasure as always. And we're joined again in studio by with the Magistar, Mr. Harden. A distinct personal honor to be in such elite company. This is episode 46, and we are looking at the movie Mad Max Fury Road. Ah, which yeah. I would have titled Furosima. What's her name? <laughs> Uh, Furiosa. 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 Uh, for a while, Imperator that was going to be the Furiosa. Yeah, that was going to be the name of the next Mad Max movie, Mad Max Furiosa. Is she signed up for uh, the second? Apparently, she's signed up. I think for two more, and Tom Hardy signed up for four more. I think oh, I, I read. Didn't know that. But the next one now is going to be called Mad Max: The Wasteland. Okay, that's right. the current working title. Uh-huh. Who knows? You know what it will turn out to be. So this is uh, taking the action world by storm. Nah, maybe not so much. It hasn't. It didn't upend Fast and Furious Seven in terms of opening weekend. But you think it's got some legs? You think, Mister Two Frames? You think it has by word of mouth? Oh yeah, I, I think a lot of people are going to go see it. Uh, it's also it was never going to beat uh, Furious Seven because Furious Seven's PG thirteen and this is R. And this is a fairly hard R, but it's made over $100 million already worldwide. Made $45 million here in America last weekend. I think it'll hold up in the coming weeks pretty well. And of that $40 million, a good chunk of it came from you, Mr. Magistar. I understand you went to see it in 3D today? Ah, yes. And uh, in all the preparation I could muster for <clears throat> the excitement of the uh, laugh, I uh, had to see it in 3D to get a little different perspective. We saw it together in good old regular 2D. Is there a difference? Is there a, a noticeable difference? Should people go see this movie in 3D? I think it was excellent either way. Uh, there were some disturbing 3D moments, like uh, heads flying at you and uh, body parts uh, that you're actively ducking as you're watching. Oh, that sounds so fun. It's pretty, uh, it's pretty intense. I I can't. I liked. I liked it both ways. <laughs> Mr. Two Frames. I saw it in 2D just because of when it was playing. I thought watching it, there are some scenes that would be great in 3D. Uh, the explosions with stuff flying at you, but also just seeing these vast desert landscapes and seeing the you know vehicles flying across them. I'm surprised that there's that there's 3D gags in it because I understand George Miller said not to see it in 3D. That he he didn't. Envision it in 3D, and I mean, this is just what I read somewhere, heard on a podcast. So I'm not sure that it, it needed that, but you're telling me it has those sort of there, images. And... There were there were also some like glitches though, because I think it was when uh, the review I read in the Daily Press out of the Chicago Tribune uh, critic apparently uh, alluded to the fact that he fast framed some of the some of the uh, shots to give it a little more jumpy or edgy feeling. And I think the 3D kind of interfered with that a little bit because it looked to me like there were there were spots in the 3D that it just kind of 
I don't know, it, it jiggled or something. Didn't seem to do that with the regular 2D? No, 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 not at all. Uh, do you have any insight into that? You're our sort of technical guru on 3D images. And uh, one of the things I read was uh, that uh, George Miller, when he was watching the action in the editing room, he said if it was too clear what was going on, they sped it up to make it right. a little harder to follow. And if something was hard to follow, they slowed it down so that you could understand the action Wait, that was, was taking place. If it was too clear to understand? Too clear. I didn't understand that. Well, uh, at the beginning of the movie, when Mad Max is running down the cave corridor, there's some jumpiness to it, and they're speeding it up. I mean, you understand Mad Max is running down there, and I think they're also trying to show you that Mad Max is having some psychological issues there, too. Yeah, there's a lot of flashbacks. That's one of the things that bothers me, but I guess maybe we should just set up the movie so that our listener understands where we're headed with it. I don't know how quickly we're going to get into spoilers, because there's a lot of spoiler stuff that would annoy me if I heard it. Now, you said early on that you saw a trailer... Or I heard some or people spoiler. talking. Or you saw a poster or a picture that had a spoiler in it? Uh, yeah, in the week leading up to it, there there was an article I saw, I think it was off Yahoo, and they had a picture of, are we in spoiler now? No, 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 I was just wondering. Yeah, if, there was a picture in an article that gave away an important no, plot detail. I'm, I'm wondering, we'll that's come back to that said. later, but did, did that hold true? Did yeah. That, did, so you, it gave away the point, and then you found out later that that was the thing that you wanted to avoid when you went to go see it. Yes, it it, it, it does ruin a moment. There right. is a reveal moment. All right. So so that's yeah. We're, we'll get into that in the in the spoilers when we get into spoilers. But for now, let's just kind of set up the movie, uh, give a basic plot outline, basic understanding of characters, and then we can move into spoilers. So in terms of Mad Max. Fury Road, you have uh, Imperator Furosa, who has commandeered Immortan Joe's brides, and hooks up with Mad Max, and tries to escape. So, let's get into spoilers. (laughs) (laughs) Not really waiting a whole lot. Alright, so if you haven't seen the movie... We can all agree you should go see it. This is a movie for the big screen. Yeah, right? but I mean, why? Why should we go see it? You said word of mouth is going to make it more interesting for people later. What would what would the word be? What would you say? Um, why would you try to tell people to go see this movie? Do you think we could use the word bug nuts? Is that appropriate, or are we going to do the explicit tag if we say bug nuts? <laughs> I don't think bug describe nuts this is movie. A, what is bug nuts? <laughs> that doesn't bug me. Oh, this movie is absolutely insane. It is bug nuts insane. I see. Oh, 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 oh just, okay. Yeah, I mean, no, I think that's a fair enough euphemism to use. <laughs> this. I mean, I just thought it was the name of one of the characters. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I would say th- this movie is the definition of your action movie. And it has everything that you should see in an action movie. Explosions, car chases, uh, gunplay, there's some fist fights. I mean, it, it has everything you could ever want in an action movie. Mr. Magistar, what, what would the word be from you? Well, I would uh, concur with that. I think, uh, given the rating, it could have uh, could have used a little more, uh, shall we say, out-front sexuality. The, the, it's very interesting that in this movie, all of that was an undercurrent. Are you talking about the uh, the homosexual overtones, or are you talking about well? The, I didn't even the, think about the fecundity. Going there, 
Well, well, that's Mad Max's. That's a big drawback, or not necessarily a drawback, but a big criticism of Mad Max movies is that they're sort of steeped in homoerotic. Uh, um, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? I must have missed that. You missed the There's a subtext. You missed the. There you go. Homoerotic subtext. Yeah, I'm. Uh... You missed the ass- assless chaps in Road Warrior. Or maybe you haven't seen it in a while, but hey, you didn't notice that in this. The whole, no, not the really. whole. I mean, I, it's, I, I, I was more focused on the mythos, I guess. So you're talking about the fecundity of the of the bride, right? And and also the they were quite you know, fetching. There were some there were some love interests. Uh, yeah, I, I think. Oh, the, you, you think between Mad Max and Furiosa? Well, that and also between uh, one of the Bugani, the redhead, oh, yes, and uh, yes, yes. and the the brother who's strayed, apparently is that nuts? Is that nuts? Name? Played by nuts, Nicholas Holt with a Z. Yeah, yeah. it's interesting uh, that nux means uh, nuts in Latin. Okay. Okay. Well, maybe that's where they're getting it because he was a gearhead. Yeah, he's one of the uh, crazy white. Boys, is that what they call them, white boys? I, I do love that they're able to fix an engine while these cars are moving. They're pretty good at it. Yeah. Well, that's their religion, right? Yeah, the engine's broken. And Go fix it. Here's a wrench. Your God. Now, if it were me and I was going to try to tell people to go see this movie, I would, I would say there's so many allusions to other films and references to uh, other concepts that if you're a film sort of geek and, and you enjoy looking for that sort of thing, you'll you'll pick them out. Oh, yeah, there's and, incredible homages. It's kind of fun. Everywhere. Especially in terms of its self-referential illusions, yes. having just seen the Mad Max trilogy, uh-huh. and then on a broader scope, some of the other things that allude to in terms of just uh, mythology in general and the whole superhero mythos. It's just a... It's well, and it creates a world, and it doesn't always explain everything about the world. Right. Like, what was the illness those uh, gearhead boys had? You know, what was with the lump in the shoulder and all that? Oh, yeah, there's some characters in there that have giant feet. Joint, I mean, it's like diabetes. Yeah, there are these. they don't take the time to explain it. I thought at first the stuff that you were spraying in their mouths was some sort of drug, and then I read later on it's just chrome spray paint. Because they're probably painted. I don't think they're albino. I think that those they're wearing some sort of paint, some sort of ritual. Yeah, but like paint. right before they kill themselves, they would spray well, this chrome paint. Puffing. But then there, yeah, but there's something about when you go to Valhalla uh, in full chrome or something. Oh, you have to be prepared. Yeah, there's right. some line, you know. Okay. Yeah, they, they worship line. vehicles so much. All right, yeah, that makes sense. Um, so I, the, the for those reasons, you you say the visual aspects. I say the elusive. Well, Oh yeah, quality. And let's not also forget the incredible uh, sets are amazing. And oh, the the world, the desert world that was created it, was very similar, almost on a scale of Waterworldian type uh, proportions. So the 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 production values and the uh, effects, most of the effects. Well, were, and this is what Miller does so well. The director George Miller, mm-hmm. he gets you to buy into ridiculous premises. Like in Babe, there's a talking pig that becomes a sheep herding dog, basically, or you know, a Happy Feet where penguins are dancing all over the place and there are these huge musical numbers. You, you buy into the spectacle of it. In this film, I started laughing during the first big chase sequence because there was diegetic music. 
they have a vehicle that has four drummers on it, and they're oh, yes. beating oh, this rock the first, song. The first chase this sequence huge after cha- the yeah, first right. chase sequence. You have this ridiculous vehicle with guys banging drums. Right, I thought And, and they're, they're creating their own music for the chase. Yes. There's the guy with the guitar that shoots out flames. All right, now, see, now we're getting into the spoiler areas. Well, I mean, this, this was, was in the trailer, so... All right, I get that. And, I mean, this is in the first ten minutes, but... But there you, was just such glee in me when is, I saw that. This is why I'm such a jerk, because that kind of thing, if you had told me that without any any other understanding of the movie, I would have I would have fixated on it when I saw it on the screen. <laughs> not that I think it matters, because most of the people who listen to the podcast are probably more aware and not spoiler-verse like me, but I'm, I'm a jerk when it comes to the... Well, I don't know what else I can talk about in the film. Then. Well, I mean, because that is so early, and, and it's just this craziness to this world. All of these vehicles that they show have their own personalities, and I could only imagine what it would be like to see all of these vehicles, and when they just say, go, and they've got a helicopter swooping by for these grand aerial shots of them tearing across the desert. Yeah, it had to have been quite interesting. There was uh, 450 hours of film oh, I can believe created, that. and over 6,000 hours of editing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Apparently, Tom Hardy was really upset with George Miller because he had no idea what was going on. He was confused and and irritated, and it, it, it may have been by design for him because sure, made him, what made happens him, to makes him mad, makes makes him mad, makes him mad turns him into Mad Max. Um, that interplay between him and Furiosa, a lot of that is actually Furiosa. Pre- Furiosa. It's pretty accurate in terms of their relationship. They didn't get along well during during the shooting of this film. Hmm. And I wonder if George Miller like fed into that by oh tried to create tension. Well, they were on there set. for a long time too. Oh yeah. Uh, all right. So we all agree. Where do you where do you rank it? In the Mad Max series? No. Well, yeah. All right. Where I think it's the, the best Max of the Mad Max movies, but I mean it's also unfair. Because this is coming 30 years after Thunderdome, and it's got a budget, I think they said 400 times what the original Mad Max movie had. It's almost a good thing that they didn't have, that it wasn't produced right before 9-11. Because you can't build on the 9-11 sort of ethos, and technology hasn't advanced to the place where it is now. Where you can almost, you're immersed in the world. And even though there's some ridiculous things that goes on, that things that go on, you like you said, you completely believe it. I don't think they could have done that in 2000 or in the early 90s when they started, you know, production of this movie. But I think it also shows that they can go back on um, previous movies and add something new to them. It, it's not one of those. Can we just let this movie series die? You know. So this makes a pretty good argument for you to want to go see uh, Star Wars. I was thinking Jurassic World. <laughs> <laughs> but arguably, if they had left off that middle section of Star Wars, the prequels, and just started doing them now, you might not have to worry about those other three movies that no one seems to like. Yeah, so, no, I, I, I do. I mean, for whatever reason, they're just they're able to get the essence of what people like about Mad Max, or at least what people think about with Mad Max. The, just the insane car chases, because this really is just one car chase. Right. But it's epic. It's an epic well, car chase. Two car chases with a preceding chase down of Mad Max, right? Yeah, I mean, it, 
It, it is so quick, and mostly that's just there to establish why Mad Max is a prisoner. But once you're in, you're in. Oh, yeah. All right. Um, I think we all agree. We're all in solid agreement on this movie. Go see it. And if you don't want to be spoiled, turn off your listening device now and come back to it. Because now we're going to get into the spoilers for Mad Max Fury Road. The man that hath no music in himself, nor is not moved with concord of sweet sounds, is fit for treasons, stratagems, and spoils. I don't want to spoil the party, so I'll go. What was the thing that you saw spoiled for you? Charlie Theron's arm. Oh, yes. I heard someone say that, and they said that they were hiding it in the trailer, (laughs) and so when I went and saw the trailer (laughs) again, I noticed how much they were hiding that she's missing an arm. And I appreciate in the film, they never tell you how she lost her arm. They don't explain it. It's just There's a lot of stuff that they don't explain. Well, but but I appreciate that. It's it's just, it's here, it makes sense. What's the immortal wound? It's it's the the mortal wound, sorry, the mortal wound of of the hero that... It has to encounter. They don't encounter it on this journey, but she, you have to be wounded somehow. That, that to me, is sort of a, an allusion to, or a reference to Luke Skywalker getting his arm chopped off in the original <laughs> yeah. Star Wars series. Okay. Or any, any of the mortal wound uh, things in Joseph Campbell's you know, hero's journey. But this is a, an amalgamation of the two great themes in literature. A stranger comes to town and the hero's journey. And it's the Odyssey. She leaves... To attain something, she finds out that what it is that she wants to attain is not really what it is, and then they come back. So, I mean, there's oh, nothing more. Let's, let's not also forget the Eden myth aspect of it, because her quest, which you just said correctly, turns out to not be what she actually is questing for, but it is, but it's just not where she thinks it is. So... She takes a typical hero's return after she goes and gets the the seeds or the the key. That's what makes that Eden. And oh, I, okay. Yeah, All right, it's so very. Uh, it, it's there's a lot going on with that. I forgot about how important the seeds were. Yeah, they really. I mean, that was that was hit up. And by the way, when do you first notice in the movie that she doesn't have that she has the mechanical arm? I. Uh, it's oh, it's part, part of the staring apparatus. She is one I know, but of I, the I, I never, I never got it's, that. It's until, early on. Yeah, okay. I think no, it was when she was on. going to the truck right at the beginning. Yeah, well, then you see how integrated she is with her actual machine. Right. That that uh, combination of man and machine is an important concept. Yeah. Because it happens with the Morton Joe, the 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 villain of the movie. Did you know that he was played by the same guy that plays Toe Cutter? The, the villain from the original Mad Max. That's yeah. why he had such an elaborate mask. Miller said he wanted to hide the fact that it was the same actor. They didn't want him to think it was the same character. Well, it was weird at the beginning. He seemed so physically frail. He had to be helped by his son, Rictus Erectus. Outside of his gear, he yeah. is that frail. It's the, it's the weaponry of the, of the armor that allows him to exist. This is a callback to Darth Vader. Right. Well, the whole breathing apparatus. Yes. Yeah, and the breathing voice. apparatus. But what I loved the best was the clear plastic chest plate yes. with the abs. Yeah. So you can yeah. see the flab underneath. Yeah. yeah. So you see it's like a combination of flab abs. Yeah. It's awesome. 
nice little nice little medals. You got to wonder what the medals were for. Yeah, you know, the, the self-given medals. <laughs> right. Like this this okay. one is for awesomeness. This one is because I have five hot women that love me. This <laughs> now, one is for my driving skills. Now, then Nathan Jones plays his son. He's the big, tall, muscular guy. Um, but Joe's a, obsessed with getting more sons. Like, he wants a perfectly formed child. So I was thinking, was Nathan Jones's character... A little bit of um, a sped student. Was he slow? Because he has a line about two-thirds of the way through the movie when the baby is stillborn. And he says, I had a brother. I had a baby brother. He was perfect. Perfect perfect in every way. And he sounded a little slow, right? Well, yeah. I mean, everyone's involved in this movie. Was that on purpose? Yeah, I think, yeah. But he would have wanted more children anyway, just to... It was just, it was a weird line reading, and there were a couple moments in this film where the line readings were odd. Tom Hardy at times, his accent went, came and went. Well, I mean, he, he only spoke more than like three words in a row, so I don't know why and then at times he, he would said, have an accent at all. But at times he seemed to be going for Mel Gibson, at times he seemed to be going for Sylvester Stallone. Alright, I... I didn't. I didn't pay any attention to Mel. Actually, I didn't pay any attention to Mad Max's character at all. He was. He was a cipher. He wasn't important to the movie. He, he was. He Mad Max is the. Uh, what do you call it? The the uh, catalyst. Oh, the White Rabbit or the what is the thing called that that uh, you talk about it all the time? The curmudgeon. The the Mag- yeah, yeah, yeah. The MacGuffin. Mad Max is the MacGuffin. Because this movie really is a Furiosa story. Yeah, it's Furiosa story. Well, yeah. I'm not so sure I buy that totally because all of these flashbacks that he has and this craziness, and and then the ending too. I mean, why does he, why does he reject out of hand her fulfillment? Well, that's not his, that's not his goal. He never had that as a goal. He he, he does. He says he says redemption. No, sh- that's her goal. But but he agrees with her. Well, that's he the says, thing. Maybe I will find redemption. Why does she need to be redeemed? Because that, I think she was helping Immortan Joe for so long. Oh, so she feels guilt. I think so. All right, because I mean, if you're kidnapped by someone as a child and you grow into this Stockholm syndrome. Well, and don't you have to but, assume she was one of Joe's wives beforehand? I mean, Charlize Theron is beautiful. Potentially Rictus Erectus's mother? It's something. I mean, but then she got injured, and now she's no longer beautiful and perfect in every way, so now she has to go and work. It, yeah, it, it, it's easy to assume that. Um, the other wives that he had, the, the milking mm-hmm. mothers, are, uh, I mean... They probably they're beach they're, twales. Yeah, okay. Well, yeah. To be a little indelicate, they're not as attractive as the other, uh, as the Vulvalini. But when uh, Rose, Rosie Hunter or something, uh, the pregnant wife, when well, they're she, all supermodels. She, but she gets shot. You know, barely scraped by a bullet, and they say, "Oh, you're in trouble now, Max," because yeah, you, you know you you he's ruined. Yeah, you've ruined her, and I'm yeah. like. It's a little scar. She's fine. She's still gorgeous. No, she's, it's on the inside of her thigh. You'll never perfect. notice it. Yeah. 
She's imperfect. He's... Well, the, all the characters are imperfect. Uh, I mean, they're, they're... except for the except for those five pregnant girls. That's but... right. And, but you you wonder where all of the, the all of the boys came from, and can the rest of these guys have children? I mean, are they? Because to me, it's all about this post-apocalyptic idea, and it's carried through in a lot of ways. But it's obvious radiation. These are these are mutants. Yeah, there are quite a few mutants. Yeah, and but I'm not sure that the white boys are those. Or even or, are they even called the white boys? Is that what they call them? I don't know that the they war boys. They war. idolize and worship all things automobile. Ah. All right, so the global climate of Mad Max, this is according to Brian Truitt in the USA Today's May 13th edition online. It's called The Mythology of Mad Max Fury Road. Oh. He talks about the War Boys. Nice. And he says, uh, the global climate, climate of Mad Max is a toxic, toxic one thanks to a nuclear skirmish. And Max and Furiosa, Furiosa are healthy, full lives. The War Boys who follow Immortan Joe and worship all things... Automobile are half-lives, poisoned by the environment. They feel their days are numbered. The youngsters paint themselves white and believe they're going to a warrior paradise if they die courageously in battle. So it sounds like uh, your typical sort of uh, Muslim concept of the 72 virgins, right? Well, I don't know, but they refer to it as Valhalla. Yeah. Well, Miller based them on Japanese kamikaze pilots. Okay. The Bald kids even refer to themselves as comma crazy. That sounds like Akka amazing. <laughs> All right, so uh, in the highly ritualized world that Morton Joe is manipulated, Miller says it's very efficient to have a devoted army. So that's all they really are is an army. An army of warriors by car. But you wonder, who are they fighting? Because uh, Morton Joe is apparently friends with the two other leaders, the one guy from Bullet Town, I forget the name of the other city. They come and help him. Like well, Gasland. Yeah, but weren't they going to go raid Gasland, too, at the beginning? They weren't going to raid it. They were just going to get gas from Gasland. Then why did they need all these warriors to go? Well, I think... And well, then if you need gas so badly, why do you have flamethrowers on some of the vehicles? Well, there's, supposedly there's an endless supply of gas in Gasland. Oh. Just like there's an endless supply of water in wherever Morton Joe is from. Yeah. The Citadel. Maybe that's Waterland, and probably that's what they do. Maybe they trade out water from there. Hello. I don't yeah. know. Then there's Bullet World over here. Sounds like Tomorrowland. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, it, so the mythology is sort of ridiculous in terms of just what their motivations are. But they they do establish that there are mutant creatures that aren't beholden to any of these lands out there. There's the stilt creatures that they see later on. Oh, the, the crows. Yeah. crows well, now they are true mutants. I think I figured that out on the second viewing of those. Uh, when. Uh, oh, I thought they were just on stilts because they're in this muddy area. Did you get the feeling that the leaders of all these towns are related? Because they all have some physical deformity. Well, everybody's got a physical deformity. Yeah, but so theirs seemed a little. Just... Theirs seemed a little more severe. Like the war boys. I mean, I, they I have the they're... little lump in their shoulder. But other than that, they seem very healthy. They're able to run around. They can fall off vehicles and are uninjured. Well, they're very good at jumping back and forth onto vehicles. I mean, the, the training for that must be really interesting. Yeah. 
in terms of, you know, how are we going to prepare for this next battle on Fury Road? <laughs> so let's just swing back and forth on these the idea of the, the the whiteness of these guys is is rather interesting because it really it really sets off a contrast with the machines. I mean, they're you don't really think that something that white should be, you know, in charge of these kind of mega evil type machines. Or it, it's it's kind of. It's off. It's really strange. Well, does it help to explain why Furiosa, Furiosa it, uh, covers axle grease over herself and her body to, to sort of differentiate herself from these war boys? I wondered about that as well. And at, once she meets the, her, the mother figures there in the erstwhile Eden, which no longer exists, uh, she... When she's going back, that's very clear that she puts this, you know, it's kind of like warping. It's very ritualistic. Does she put it back on? Yes, she puts, okay. she covers she her forehead. a few times. In yeah, the she covers her forehead. The, the last time she does it is as they're heading toward the, uh, the pass again to make their triumphant right. return to the Citadel. So it's war paint. I mean, that's how I looked at it. Like well, it's war paint, but it's... War paint. Yeah, exactly. But that's very ritualistic. I mean, that's a that's an important thing in native mythology. And, you know, it's, it goes all the way back to Lord of the Flies. Speaking of mythology, this movie changes the mythology of Mad Max. If you, if you consider the Mad Max trilogy to be written in stone, or uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Well, I mean, in what ways are you saying it's changed it? Well, apparently... supposedly this film's coming before Road Warrior, if you're looking at the chronological... Miller, speaking to that point, says that it's a different story. It's a different storyline altogether. Oh, okay. That it's now 45 years after the collapse. The collapse occurred in 1972, or whenever Earth's whatever the collapse was, the year of the collapse was in the Mad Max movies, that's when this occurred, and then this is 45 years after that. It's what he said. But he might be, I don't know. <laughs> Yanking your chain. He might be confused himself. Uh, he has a daughter in this, and he's seeking redemption for his daughter That's that can communicate with him, that talks to him and you know gives him some sort of, some form of guilt. Well, he never had he had never had a daughter. And Mad Max, the original Mad Max, he had a two year old son. Oh, yeah. see, I, I was reading that as Mad Max was combining his grief over his lost wife and his child into this one character. It was his grief well, as they, a combination. They should at least both. meet in the middle at around the age of sixteen, maybe. I, I don't. That's just the Not way. Not the I, age of eight or nine. I'm trying to think. There was something in the movie that made me feel like they were combining both of these characters. But that's the that's the idea that I mentioned earlier about his quest for redemption. Because I got the feeling that he left behind this entity, whoever he, she may be, and that he feels responsible for that and. He needs to do something to make amends to recreate uh, what it was he screwed up on the first go around. Yeah, I get that from the movie. Right. It, it just seems to be a rewriting of the mythology of Max. Yeah. And if it's not his daughter, if it's just some girl, some <coughs> random girl, then maybe he's just setting up some uh, prequel, sequel kind of thing. But Miller says he doesn't care. 
He's like it's a different it's a different actor playing yeah. the role. It's a different in a way it's a different character, you know. So, and I kind of like that. It's it's you know just double down on it. Well, and Don't why should you be it. beholden to something you did in your very first feature film back in what seventy eight seventy nine? I don't think at the time Miller knew where this was going to go and grow. Right. Yeah, well, but now he's had time to develop the story, and if he feels for whatever reason it's better to have a little girl as the... MacGuffin? Yeah, the MacGuffin, I don't know. <laughs> the, the immortal the, MacGuffin? The, the visual <laughs> metaphor for Mad Max's psychological breakdown. By the way, that's uh, that's even more played up in 3D, because that face comes, you know, jumps right at you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's it's kind of disturbing. Oh yeah. But you know what? I mean, it it really comes out that he truly is mad. I mean, he's he's a nut job. Well, well he's mad in the mad world. Yeah. He well, no, they call it a crazy world. It's some, <laughs> at one point, one of yeah. the brides says, "Oh, this world is just full of crazies." <laughs> but he actually seems very sensible in most of the film. Well, yeah, he hands over the rifle when he realizes there's only one bullet left and that Furiosa is a better shot than he is. Yeah. yeah. So, and when he goes off with the gas can, when he gives his Sylvester Stallone line, and she goes, well, what if you're not back? And he says, keep going. Keep going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that just, that just shows that he doesn't matter. It just sort of underlines the fact that he's, that he's not an important character in this movie. The world is important. Yeah. I mean, you could argue that the Nuts character is more important to the arc of the storyline in terms of... And and then he's the one that actually undergoes some sort of transformation. Mm-hmm. Right. He goes from being a crazy war boy to helping out the Volvalini. Well, right? it's when you drive around on mother's milk, you know. Probably some of that uh, slipped into him and he became a mama's boy. It really is all that... It, it really is very liquid. Yes. It's it's whoever controls the liquid. Well, Mad Max oh, yeah. is a blood bag at He's the beginning a, of the He's just a blood right. bag. Exactly. Which it bothered me later on when he had to give the blood transfusion to Charlize Theron. I was thinking, oh, that needle must be so sandy by now. They've been <laughs> driving for days. Yeah. They, they need to get a better needle. Like, I would have liked to see him go, and, you know, blow the sand off of the needle. They couldn't have used any water to clean that off. Of if you... If you're, if you, let's just say for some reason you have to engage in a high-speed chase, and you're also in the throes of uh, some type of disease that creates a need for a blood transfusion for mm-hmm. you, would you put the, the bag of blood on the front of the car? <laughs> <laughs> Is that the best place for it? Well, I'm not really sure. But I mean, you have to get the you have to get the crucifix image. The top I mean, of the world aren't his aren't his hands tied behind his back? Well, yeah, yeah but the but the way he's up there, I mean, it's, he's he's a human, you know, he's a human crucifix in one sense, and in the other way, he's a he's a hood ornament. Do you think is it is it possible that nuts changes so quickly to the good side from the dark side because he has Max's blood in him? Ooh. Oh. Because no. Max a chain, well, Max, Max is a Christ is, figure. Max is the it, Max is the godlike figure. Yes, that's correct. And he's also the one that visits and leaves. That's exactly so right. He's he's the Zeus, right, or the archangel kind of uh, holy messenger. Maybe he may be the one that's tapped into the to the greater purpose or the greater <laughs> truth. 
and he doesn't even realize it. Uh, I think the old train's going a little too mystical. On yeah, this. Okay. No. All right. <laughs> no. Well, they could. It does, I mean, it's hard right. to explain why nuts is so quick to turn over, and that that was a that was a part of the bother. Oh, well, Scott, I, wait a minute. You you did see the redhead, didn't you? Yeah, but they. <laughs> He's shown a little bit of kindness after, right. you know, being in this world of just viciousness all along. And finally, so one he act sees... of kindness makes him flip. I could argue that that's just as ridiculous as Mad Max's blood. Well, he also flip. chickens out twice from killing himself. He, he doesn't kill himself twice when he could go on to Valhalla. So he has this crisis of religion. Right. And then a beautiful redhead comes and is kind to him. I could a, see him flipping. A callback all the way to the very first film. Of uh, what's the guy's name? Not Toe Cutter, but Windjammer or something like that. Yeah, that engages in a game of chicken with uh, Max, and then it drives him crazy that he can't finish the the job that he that he pulls away first. I think the lack of dialogue in the movie the the makes it a lot better. I mean, it's the cinema that carries the story. I mean, the the plot is pretty thin. I mean, yeah. what are you going to do? It's Go a chase. Out, you come back. But everything, but everything that surrounds that is, it, it is, it's kind of mystical and but really mythic. The, the thought I had with the dialogue was, since most of it's done during these chase sequences, they had to go back in and redub it. Mm. So, you know, if you're Tom Hardy and you hate being in this movie, you have no idea what's going on. And you're thinking, it doesn't matter what I say, how I deliver my lines, because I'm going to have to go back and redub this whole movie. Right? Was, He's got to be upset, because if you're having all this engine noise, there's no way you're being heard. Right, but... And then to go back and in the studio, it's like, all right, now I need you to scream and grunt. All right, now I need you to grunt and scream. <laughs> <laughs> Do they speak over each other much in the movie? Like nah, not really, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, everything is communicated visually. Right. I, I, the dialogue is... Well, what there is, though, is, I think, more effective because there isn't much of it. I mean, they're, they're like little nuggets that kind of carry the story arc a little bit, but not, you know, not to the extent that the cinematography does. I mean, that's just, that's just awesome. I agree. I, some of the pull-aways, the, the, the longer wide shots were the most effective shots. And the most affecting shots for me. Some of those zoom in close up things. Th- those are where I kind of well the looking the, the looking up at the citadel from you know kind of putting yourself in those peasants who please give me just a little drink right or out there with bedpans. Yeah, I was. Uh, I know <laughs> it was it was muddy water with bedpans. Don't, don't, well, get addicted, don't get addicted to water. Yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> Can't be addicted to water. Well, then you think it was just such a waste. Water is so precious, so we're just going to dump it. It's yeah. a deluge. So it's the wasteland. <laughs> I mean, in fact, at the very end of the movie, that I, I didn't realize until we had this discussion that there was follow-ons and that the wasteland was a working title, but that's the, that's the little blurb at the end they talk about. Oh yeah, that that uh, coda or that little right. that little thing at the end is actually that that doesn't come from any real book. No, oh, <laughs> the I'm first not, history yeah. of man and says right. Well, no, where it's... must we go? We who wander this wasteland in search of our right. better selves. Right. But it sounds like something from the wasteland. 
Well, yeah, but it also sounds like, I mean, it's, it's again, it's a post-apocalyptic because obviously somebody who knows an impersonal narrator has written the thing. Maybe, maybe Max. Maybe that's Max's line. Maybe well, he's the mostly, historian. Mostly, Max. If you if you keep with the Christ imagery, most of the other movies set up that other people are talking about him. Right. And that's that's the spread of Christianity. Like like Christ never talked about himself right. to gain people unto him. It was all right. afterwards. It was after the fact, and then for hundreds of years later. They went on and on and on and just developed and then spread out from there. So the same idea mm-hmm. of the the myth of Max, he has to come in and then disappear. Or he has to leave. Or else they'll say, hey, look, there he is. They find out that Immortan Joe is not immortal <laughs> when they show him his dead body. But when Max leaves, he does it at the end of Thunderdome. He does it at the end of uh, Road Warrior. He gets left. This is the first movie where he leaves on his own terms. Uh, no, he gets left at the end of Road Warrior? Yeah, that's the one where there's the big reveal with the... Right, uh, but the feral kid goes back to that tribe. Yeah. And but, he winds back with that tribe. Road, no, the Road Warrior just oh, goes he, off on his he own. He wants to. Oh, mm. Yeah, Thunderdome's the same way. Well, he, he just clears turned, the way for the plane to take off. And then Tina Turner goes, ah, we're just like you and me. And then leaves him in the desert. Right, and then, then you find out about him from the yeah. narrator of that movie. You find out is the... Uh... I mean, this movie, he seemed to be in control of his destiny more so than in any other film. Like, he chooses to stick around. He could have gone off by himself on a motorcycle. But he's not in control of his story. And then if you were to tell this story to someone... <laughs> Would you say Mad Max came and saved us? <laughs> you wouldn't, would you? Well, well because who becomes Immortan Joe in the Citadel, in this city? Who takes over that leadership role? Furiosa, of course. Of course. But. So she's the one that gets to tell the story. So Ooh. she might aggrandize Max. She's interested to see where it goes in the next yeah. film. Yeah, that would be, that would be Is very it, interesting. Could it be better? Does it have a chance to be better than this movie? Yeah. This movie was 20 years in, in production. Yeah, it no. was story. It was storyboarded for 20 years. Wasn't there something like 90,000 storyboard? Wow. Or however many shots there were? Yeah, no, I mean, they had a lot. I think you, it was you don't the- have that kind of time. You don't have that kind of... Especially if you got... You got to turn around four movies, you say. You got to turn these around in order to make money. Like the the mm-hmm. people who are putting up the money, the initial money for the production, are going to want to turn around within two years. Yeah, I don't think I don't think it's possible to do it as well as this one. You're going to get diminishing returns yeah. on your expectations. Yeah. I think. I agree. I, I think Miller has put together a very talented team. It's not the work of one individual. I also think doing. The actual stunt work yourself, whoever designed all those vehicles was wonderful. I mean, that's not Miller. Well, you're a gas tank half full. No, no I think that gas this, tank is, half empty. this is a team effort. There were a lot of talented people in this. And at this point, if Miller wants to go and make another Mad Max movie, I think he's earned it. Oh, yeah. Whatever this guy wants well, to go like do. Like you said, they've already signed on to do multiple sequels. <coughs> Whether or not they should make another one is a different question than whether or not it's going to be any good. 
Well, when I first heard, oh, they're doing Mad Max, and I thought, and they're doing it without Mel Gibson. This isn't going to work. And then after seeing it, I've got to eat crow. This is one of the best summer blockbusters I've seen in four or five years. Better than Avatar, eh? Uh, It's up there. I mean, just... (laughs) It is just pure spectacle. I told you, I was laughing just because of how over the top, how crazy it was. I I was just, I was loving it. I'm like, this is great. This is... They've taken the $140 million they were given, and they put it all on the screen. Did you expect that it wouldn't be great? I was prepared to be let down a little. Hmm. But, I mean, it just it, it keeps going. It's inventive. Why? Huh? Why? Why were you prepared to be let down by it? Because I, I, I didn't know that you could make a movie that has a car chase go on for an hour and never <laughs> get bored by about it. about two hours? Yeah, really. It's a two-hour movie. 45 minutes in both directions. Right. It's like yeah. my commute to work. <laughs> Did you notice the, uh, the to, to go back to this thing where the, the radiation and all this, did you, did you notice at the very beginning when he, they pan in, and I, I paid particular attention to both the beginning and ending because I said, okay, now what did I miss? The lizard that he ate has two heads. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a mutant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a really cool touch. Yeah, yeah, it sets it up right away. Yeah, yeah. No, it's the, the very first thing you see. The only yeah. thing I didn't like in the film was all of the vehicles drive at the same speed. They all have a governor on them. Apparently, well, until you uh, you know get the gasoline in your mouth and supercharge. Yeah, yeah that, that's the only way you can get a little bit of extra speed that way. No, because she had gears. But you see these long chases, you know, well, 40 vehicles, and the, the last chase when they're trying to get back to the Citadel, they keep going after the war machine. If they get to the Citadel first, though, you would think that there are some defenses there that they could use to keep Charlize Theron out. Well, no, they, they made the... He set that up nicely, though, because he said when when they decided to go back, and, of course... You know, just, there's there's nobody there because all of, all of the war boys are out on the road with, uh, with Joe. Yeah, but if the war boys get back ahead of right, you know, this eighteen wheeler, which is apparently the fastest thing in the desert. It's I, I mean, that, that's a minor disbelief gripe. that that one doesn't bother me a bit. Yeah, well, it didn't bother me at all. I like the pole guys, and of course the 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 true the true amazing performance was the guitar player. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, that was so cool. Well, and it's over the top, but the guitar guy has a blade yeah. on his guitar so he can use it in fights. I just, the, the spectacle, I like the guys on the poles oh, waving yeah. back and forth, and I thought, well, that's going to flip a vehicle if you've got a 200-pound guy, you know, 30 feet up in the air bouncing around. But there's a counterweight on the bottom, and there's a guy working the counterweight to keep everything balanced. I didn't see that till the end, and I thought, oh, that's a great little touch. And they probably had guys just swinging. Yeah, there was a lot going on with the chains, too, because the clippers came in when they they, they were dragging her backwards, you know, Mm -hmm. and they finally got the... And it was when, uh, when they said take everything, she told the, the Bovini to take everything that uh, they could carry, and one of them had the foresight, apparently, to pick up the, the forces yeah. that, you know, the led to colors, saving yeah. them uh, several times. The, um, 
the little guy in the wheelchair? Yes. Mm-hmm. That was Immortal Joe's son also. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, 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 I was pretty sure yeah. that that was... Here's what I want to have happen. Lego needs to come out with a Mad Max set where you could build all of these vehicles. They do it for Star Wars, you know, and other big, you know, Avengers has a whole bunch of stuff. I want to see the Mad Max version, you know, I want to see the Lego version of all this. Furiosa's already got the little grip hand that those Lego characters have. so good. Furiosa. All right. She was excellent. She was very good. Yeah. Did she win an acting award? No. No. Did she get nominated? No. I Best think, actress. Yeah. I think visual effects, this could get nominated. Should she get? No. No. No? Cinematography, it might get nominated. Going out on a limb. Furioso. Charlize Theron. No. All right. Best actress. All right. Put it in the book. All right. Put it in the book. Get ready for the Oscar show. Coming so up in a scant eight written, months. So let it be done. <laughs> All right. So that was our review and uh, spoiler-rific conversation about Mad Max Fury Road. Uh, it's been a very interesting time with you people today. Magastar, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Stimulating as always. Uh, this needs to happen more often, I think. I'll uh, I'll bear it in mind. I wouldn't want to wouldn't want to overstay my welcome and ruin my uh, own personal mythos. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you will be Mad Max to uh, to our Citadel. There you are. Yes. And uh, maybe you'll return. I'll return for the next Mad Max. And we shall tell stories that. about you that's correct. in the future. That is uh, that's good. Um, that's true. So apparently, I'm winning on the. Uh, or, yeah, I'm a little bit we're, 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 we're gonna tied in dollar figures, but you're up two movies to one spring remaining. Summer slash box office. Yeah, challenge. it's not looking good for me. My, my so, last gasp is this weekend with Tomorrowland. So this was the bet. We had four movies each, and whoever had the opening week box office total gross amount wins. The loser, well, changes according to who loses. If Mr. Two Frames loses, he has to read names. Uh, given to us by our listeners. If I lose, I have to solve simple math equations <laughs> that rhesus monkeys could do. But uh looks like I don't have to worry about that that much, so I, I don't need to go study any more my, my math skills. Nah, I think, I think you're safe. So find some obscure names and send, us, send them to us. Where should they send it, Mr. Uh, well, as always, they can email us at theleftpodcast at gmail.com. They can tweet us at theleftpodcast or uh, we're accepting messages on facebook.com slash theleftpodcast. In the immortal words of Mad Max, I'm here for the gasoline. <laughs> for Mr. Two Frames over there and the MAGA star, I'm the L Train, Poxette Bonham, everybody. There be dragons. Also go to thelabpodcast.com and see, oh, I don't know. I just blew the ending, didn't I? A little bit. Did you give all of it? Yeah. All right. (laughs) Uh, As I always do.